0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to SCADCast. Thank you for joining us, I'm Matt Nickley. Carefully drafted and engineered product design, from a stapler to a refrigerator, can dramatically affect our day-to-day lives. One of the many lessons 2020 taught all of us is which products in our homes or apartments simply don't hold up the more we use them, or aren't as intuitive as we remember before quarantining or working from home. In today's highly competitive marketplace, design firms rely more and more on research and customer feedback, something today's special guest and CEO of Valencia Design Group, Eric Valenci, devotes much of his energy and expertise to. valencia has been named the Wizard of Wellness Design, as he reimagines social spaces and life-changing products. His user-focused firm has created two of the most iconic fitness machines of the century, with the SoulCycle Signature Custom Bike and the at-home juggernaut, the Peloton, which has been called, quote, the best cardio machine on the planet. The group modernized City Field's club-level luxury boxes, rejuvenated Delta's lounge at Miami International Airport, and breathed new life into Rockstar Energy's retail displays. Valencia has always been a generous friend and mentor at SCAD. And earlier this year, he returned for a virtual live interview with Paula Wallace as part of SCAD's ongoing Guests in Gusto series. Valencia also fields questions from current SCAD students in a Q&A led by industrial design senior Ani Asanga. From SCADcast, this is On Creativity, a conversation between Paula Wallace and Eric Valenzi.
1: Good design is so many things. It's not just how it looks. I think that you should be conscious of Durability, wearability, the value, what's, what are the resources being taken to bring it to life? There's that balance of form and function that you hope you achieve to make a good design.
2: Eric, it is so wonderful to see you again. It's great to see you too. Yeah. Well, I know we spoke at SCAD Style 2018, and you certainly have been very busy since then. And your focus on at-home fitness and wellness was prescient. I think we've all been spending so much time at home, other than Uber Eats, uh, at-home fitness rules, at least in my household. I know you've always been ahead of the curve, and I can't wait to hear what you're innovating these days. But first, let's have a poll for our viewers. Which of Valencia Design Group's areas of expertise are you most eager to hear more about? Interior design? industrial design, virtual reality design, packaging design. So much to talk about across so many design disciplines we actually teach here at SCAD. From SoulCycle and Peloton bikes to designs for cult brands like Equinox and Barry's Bootcamp, you are the mastermind behind fitness design. But I know Maurice Valency, now Valency Design Group was founded by your grandfather as a furniture design company. Was there an aha moment that drew you into the world of wellness? Well, I think,
1: you know, they always say to writers, write what you know. Uh, I always had a lot of interest in health and wellness and uh, actually got into it through uh, an architecture and interior design project, working with some of these brands on building out their physical studios. And that led to the opportunity to create fitness equipment. So... It was a na- very natural organic progression, and I think I always wanted to work in it, and uh, it lined up great.
2: Yeah. And I know you've even designed some Pilates reformers as well.
1: I think that's, a, that's been a really uh, fun part about working with fitness is just there's so many passionate brands and people. And then the user experience is so personal, right? So even a, even something as simple as a sneaker someone can like the way it looks, but if it's not comfortable, they'll know very quickly because it's such an intimate interaction. And when it comes to fitness, there's always a a cycle and a change. So, you know, there's uh, obviously hit classes, there's reformer classes, and um, getting to work across all those disciplines has been a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, you know so much about fitness. I think you're really a genius in this whole space. And I just appreciate everything that you've invented and brought to market so that everyone can enjoy and the quality of life for everyone can be improved because of your work. So very important work. These days, many of us are not only working from home, but of course, working out at home. And I know Pelotons have been on back order. But what are some of the other trends that you're seeing in the fitness space?
1: Well, it's a really interesting time uh, and I think the world is at an inflection point and so is fitness and I think um, you know at home connected fitness has been around in different levels for a while but it's really come into its moment given the current events but I, I think that um, it's not just a one-dimensional um, it's not a one-dimensional category so there's at home there's people exercising doing things they never had to had a chance to do before, you know, one of the things about quarantine and lockdown is being able to just walk a lot. You know, people don't have an office to get to or a place to go. And so just moving in general has been, I think, a great health benefit because we all sit too much. But long term, I think you're going to see a lot of new digital resistance technologies, uh, a lot more AI, computer um, uh, coaching going on. So it's an exciting time. And I think it's not just going to be for at home. I think when things do reopen, um, people are going to be anxious to get back out there and and uh, and, and have fun.
2: I know you love the outdoors too.
1: All right, for me, yes, it's it's, uh, it's uh, my favorite thing to do. Yeah, you know, growing up in New York City, anytime I could be outside, enjoying any any anywhere outside, whether it's skiing or in the ocean, it's uh, it's my favorite thing to do. And I don't think that's going anywhere soon.
2: No, you know, I've been reading that um, if people have the space even some little nook or cranny or a closet, they're making a home office and making a home fitness area for themselves. So what should I be thinking about investing in next, do you think, if I were going to do a home fitness little nook?
1: Well, I, I think the most important thing is to is to find a piece of equipment uh, or a modality that you enjoy doing. Because if you don't love doing it, it's going to end up sitting there in the garage. I mean, there are thousands of Nordic tracks from the 80s sitting in people's garages unused. So if you don't like the modality, then it's not going to get used. I think the really exciting part about what's going on now is there's just so much great content and a very personal content. So many fitness instructors are you know, out of work because the gyms are closed. So they're able to actually teach one-on-one Zoom Zoom classes. So before you were one of 60 or one of 80 or one of 20. And now you actually get to have a one-on-one um, contact with your teacher. And I think that's that's something that's pretty amazing because um, that connectivity and able to interact one-on-one level was really something that was rare previous, previously.
2: Yeah, even though our classes are small at SCAD when they're on ground, but now every student says they get a front row seat. So you do have that connectivity that's right there and immediate and sometimes on your own time, in your own time frame too. So from interior design for the Ritz-Carlton Palm Beach to tech collaborations with eBay, BDG's portfolio is a masterpiece of versatility. It seems like your focus on idea realization and on the practicalities of production um, have really enabled such a wide range in your work.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, we're thinking about what is a good design. A good design doesn't just look good. Right? So it has, to, it has to be well made if it falls apart. That's not, that's not a good design. It has to have a decent life cycle. Uh, I don't believe in designed obsolescence. I think it should be designed to last as, as long as possible. Uh, it has to be good value for what it's supposed to be. Uh, and I also think we have to be sensitive to things like sustainable design, the environment, and good design is simple. It's not easy but the but but the concepts are, are pretty simple. Um, all those different touch points uh, have to play into it, and if you acknowledge them and work as a team, you can you can achieve
2: them. We offer over a hundred different degree programs at SCAD, and we're always teaching students how to make themselves indispensable in the workplace. Who's valuable to you in your work and in your firm, and what expertise and qualities do you look for?
1: Well, that's a great question in design and designs and has, worked, has changed so much uh, over my career and it, it really is collaborative. You have all these different disciplines. Um, if we're talking about you know, interiors, you have the architects, mechanical engineers, you have the contractors, you have the upholsters. So it takes every project we work on has so many different disciplines that have to come together and, uh, and work together to achieve, to achieve the results. Same thing with industrial design or product design. So, you know, the industrial designer needs the engineering team, which needs the production manager. So uh, you have to be sensitive to transportation costs and logistics. You have to be sensitive to if how far is it being transported and are there tariffs. So there's no, there's, no, there's no capability for one person to do everything. So cross-training is really valuable. I think we really emphasize that with our team. The more skill sets that you have, even if it's not your day-to-day job, you speak the same language, right? So when you're on the same project team, you, you have an understanding of what that person is doing. And it also makes you more sensitive to how challenging their job is. Sometimes it can be frustrating as a team where you think someone else is holding you up, but it's maybe you don't appreciate what they're doing has its own challenges. So I think the more exposure you can have uh, to at least even understand what all these disciplines are that you're gonna, they're gonna be involved in the project you're working on is critical.
2: So wise, so true. Speaking of innovating with technology um, in all of your work, in 2020, you leveraged your design network and expertise to respond to a time-sensitive global emergency, creating Thermal Guardian.
1: That was a really interesting project, and I, you know, I've I've talked about this a lot. Is I think when you have these times of challenge, uh, that's really for create that this is our time for designers and creatives where our role in society is to is to be dreamers and to come up with solutions and you know the thermal guardian was an interesting project because that was a near-term solution-oriented design project where you know I had been spending a lot of time in Asia the last 10 years and as a society they just have more experience with infectious disease and they have a lot of uh, elements that they've incorporated into their society to deal with it, and one of them's temperature monitoring. One of them's uh, wearing masks, and you know the other do other things like washing their hands with chlorinated water before they go into a lot of uh, public buildings. So they, I, I saw the things uh, personally when SARS. I was in Asia when SARS broke out and how they dealt with that, and I felt really strongly that temperature monitoring was an important, easily implementable uh, safety. Uh, measure and you know whether or not it—it—it's it, it, never a good idea to have someone have a fever, no matter what's wrong with them. and It's just one element of safety. So in a car, you have an airbag, you have a seatbelt. Hopefully, you have it all coming together to, to improve safety. And I think that's you know one of the critical elements. And then to finish that idea of being a dreamer, so that's the near term. We have designers creating physical barriers so the restaurants can reopen. But, you know, I'm more interested in what your students have to to, have the, uh, to, to dream forward of when, when we do beat this virus and when things reopen, what's that going to look like? And I think they're going to have a lot to say to inform what the world looks like now.
2: Well, thank you. I'm sure they will. Following in your footsteps, <laughs> specializing in consumer products and design, your work has always evolved with the client. As someone who constantly anticipates what's next, what design innovations are you dreaming up for the future, like 2021 and and beyond? And I know you had some things in the works that you kind of had to put on hold due to this whole global crisis that we've all been uh, dealing with.
1: Absolutely, I think you know when you have when you have uh, you know events like we've had the last year, that's a really a time to gain perspective, and I think the world changes and you go into a situation thinking about it in a certain way and then it changes your perspective. So, you know, we've, I've always been talking about, our team has been talking about human-centered design and what does that really mean? And, you know, it always means, well, what's the user getting and benefiting out of it as opposed to just the function. And I think that really took on new meaning after everything locked down. And I've, we've been thinking a lot about human-centered design and and. So there's so many interesting aspects of design. Uh, when you have sensory deprivation, people who might be visually impaired or hearing impaired, always have a really interesting take on design and, and their perspective on the world. But everyone right now has been, had social interactivity impairment. We're not, we're not being social. And so what is the world going to look like when we do, or we are able to do that? And I'm really excited about some of the technologies that we're working on, we've repurposed to say, OK, when we are together, how are we together safely and how are we facilitating that human interaction and connectivity? And so it's something that we've all been missing in the last six months.
2: We have. You know, that's why I'm so glad to be able to talk to you, you know, in real time um, and in, in your environment. Um, it's just like it, it brings us closer. But we are all craving that um, in-person experience. How do you always make something? You've been like associated with so many iconic, legendary brands now. Um, how do you make something that people don't just like, but they want to tell everybody about?
1: Well, I think you always, you know, there's there is certainly uh, the failures don't get as much attention as the successes. You know, I think you approach it from the standpoint of doing of moving forward and innovating, and so much of a of a project's success is. What, where is it going? what's going on in the world. Um, there have been a lot of projects I did that weren't successful necessarily right away and then conditions changed and became a big hit. So I think you have to be um, you know, just mindful of what the, what the future could look like, how, how it could evolve, and then just be lucky enough to work with you know, compelling stories and ideas and brands. I mean, for, for us, the hardest thing in design is when someone says, okay, just draw me a picture of something without any direction. And when someone comes to you and says, "You know, I'm looking for a solution to this," that is probably the most fun and uh, easiest projects to work on because you you have you have a goal that you're working towards.
2: Exactly, you're prompted by real human needs and human experience and user experience research. That I know you you give a lot of thought to all of your work. 2020 has made us all um, appreciate the importance of experiential design and. As we've just been talking about, we're all kind of longing for a return to more varied sensory experiences. We teach the importance of human factors at SCAD. How do you create designs that resonate with all the senses?
1: Well, I, you know, I always thought it was important, and I, and I really believe that after this, the, the human senses are going to be so important, tactile, smell, touch, and we've always been sensitive to it. I think you know, you, you can design something that looks great, but if uh, you touch it and it feels hollow or it doesn't feel strong, that has a negative impact. I mean, if you just look at food, food that is abundant in color, usually it tastes good. So I think they all, they, all those factors reinforce it and uh, has to be considered within, within design.
2: You always have your finger on the pulse of what's next. What are your 2020 must-haves in tech, fashion, and design? The hits of the year.
1: Well, I think there's been so many. I, I, you know, we're you know there's been this this endless technological ascendancy for the last you know 40 years, and, and every year something new uh, and compelling come comes along. And whether it you know it could be something like a Samsung frame that looks like a painting, um, there's constantly you know new ways um, of of interacting with technology, but I'm really interested in um, some of the 3D projective and mapping technologies that we've been playing with that really make services come alive and and interacting with content. So I think we're about to move um, post from screens to virtual reality and projections and holograms and what that world looks like. And, I, and I'm hopeful that I think we were heading down a path of a virtual existence, but it's my hope that technology will actually now facilitate environments and get people interacting uh, on a personal level.
2: Hmm. Fascinating. Well, Larry, right, thank you so much for sharing your thoughtful insights into the power of design with us today. We always learn so much from you when you visit us at SCAD. And I love that you always think and dream forward. Well, I can't wait
1: to come visit uh, Savannah as soon as I'm able to.
2: Yeah, okay, definitely. And now it's time for our audience Q&A. Uh, and leading the Q&A will be SCAD Industrial Design Major Ani Asana. Hi, Ani.
3: Thank you so much, President Wallace. And thank you for being here today, Eric. So to start this Q&A, I'd like to ask, if you were launching a design firm in this beautiful, weird year of 2020, what strategies or angles would you use to best attract customers?
1: That's uh, a great question. And there's, as, as I mentioned before, there's always near term real world solutions that need to be implemented. And so there's always opportunity and there's a lot of opportunity right now because there's so many businesses that are closed and need to find ways to open or at least interact with their customer base. And that could be, Making their physical facility safer or comply with government regulations, which is a challenging and constantly evolving uh, uh, situation. And then there's ways to interact with them remotely, and that could be the tech or other ways. So uh, there's a huge amount of opportunity where people and businesses need to get reopened. So. Um, that's a that's a that's a near term opportunity, and thinking about that is a way which not only can help your business, but it can help people reopen their businesses and help help the world. But this is a moment in time, and I think that if you focus too much on you know, near term issues like that, at some point people will want to rip down those plexiglass barriers and interact, especially when we've beaten this virus. So I also think it's important to think forward of okay, what is going to happen. When, when I can go out again. And you know, I, I just know that part of our human experience is sharing meals and going to concerts and going to people's weddings. And what's that gonna look like after this? And I think um, I have some ideas, but I'm sure you, know, you and the other signs out there have some great ones too.
3: Yeah, thank you so much. So basically you mean reaching out and finding what people would need to get their lives back to normal and capitalizing on that with the business, right?
1: Absolutely, and, and if you think about it, um, there's businesses all over the place. It could be a third generation restaurant or a store, and they knew, they, they operated great businesses and they had a very loyal customer base, and they knew how to, maybe the, the greatest restaurant, Italian restaurant ever and how to serve the food, but now they have to figure out a way to remotely interact. And maybe they don't have technological uh, skills or savvy because they just, it wasn't part of their day to day. So people do need to, they need, they need solutions and they, they may not have a comfort level of it. And so those are win-win synergistic opportunities where you're helping businesses get reopened. Uh, they have a great product. They just need to find a way to get it to their, to their loyal clients.
3: Nice. Thank you. And so before we get to our audience questions, we have the results of the poll. So the focus, our audience wants to hear more from about you today, Eric, is interior design. <laughs> so um, moving on with that, <laughs> uh, what makes the Valencia interior design
1: technique unique? Well, I, you know, I think that our our design philosophy in general is that we're very broad. We use as many disciplines as possible. So, and we're adaptive and solution oriented. So, you know, whether if you t- look at some of the projects we've done in the past, whether it's City Field for the New York Mets or the Delta Terminal in Miami or a hotel project, they're very different environments. But I think what we always, always take into account is this universal design, people who uh, are going to be interacting with it. And we try not to make it too specific. So you want it to be as inclusive and as pleasing a, uh, and effective an environment as possible. I mean, you think about who's using an, an airport or a sports stadium and how different that is from a hotel lobby or a hotel bedroom. You, know, you, you have very different uh, users and taking into account something which is a pleasing environment for everyone is really important and and having that flexibility so that it doesn't become obsolete obsolete overnight.
3: Yeah, nice. So basically not specifying, but being able to... Um, encompass like a large audience with
1: a design. That, and also, I mean, you can make really dynamic, impactful uh, interior statements, but they might be out of style in six months. And having been involved in projects that, you know, might've been for a very trendy restaurant or hotel, um, it can get a lot of attention, but then it can feel dated very quickly. So there are ways and, and techniques that, you know, we always think about in that if you want to have something which is very current and of the moment, don't make it such an overwhelming part of the design that it can't be swapped out. So, you know, maybe, you no, know, and maybe it's a it's a splash of color or a splash of something that's really impactful. But if you remove it or evolve it or change it, you don't have to rip out the entire interior.
3: Yeah, yeah, very. Yeah, I, I, I like that answer because you know what people term as as good. You know what people like design wise changes every day, and we have to. Kind of design something that would function for now and would also be able to function years from now too as well, and be a modern design.
2: Mm-hmm. And one great tip for interiors and changing them out is changing your art. So I'm sitting here in SCAD Art Sales. So if any guys looking for some great art from SCAD alumni and SCAD students, uh, give us a call.
3: All right. So moving on to the audience questions, our first question from the audience is by Perena Karki. And her question is Everyone has their own idea and definition regarding innovation. How does that fall into your vocabulary and how would you define it?
1: Well, I think innovation above anything is is finding a solution to a problem, right? So creating a solution to a problem that doesn't exist is just over designing it, right? So, you know, I, I still don't understand why, you know, car keys are removable that's a wireless like that doesn't to me that doesn't do anything because you lose the wireless key was anyone complaining that they had to stick it into the ignition i don't think so <laughs> if you told me you make it your mobile phone right and that starts the car because you always everyone's always got knows where their phone is yeah. that makes a lot of sense but you know creating solutions to problems that don't exist you know to me there's a lot of design work where they're trying to find the problem as opposed to approaching it from know, how does this solve a problem or a future problem or make the world we live in better? So to me, you know, most important about innovation is it moves us forward as as far as uh, problems that can either deal with or avoid.
3: Yeah, thank you. I I resonate with that because, you know, a lot of things have been created and given a function, but not clearly designed with the innovation as a key factor into it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like innovation is something that every design needs to be innovative and push, like you said, push on the design forward. So our next question is by Naomi Grigorian. And what she asks is, how do you see a workplace structured around COVID with wellness in mind?
1: Well, absolutely. And there's so, much, there's so many elements to wellness, right? It's not just physical and it's not just uh, your safety, but it's also emotional right so um, if you have people in work environments and they're dealing with uh, mental health issues or emotional issues because it's a stressful time you're not going to be happy and you're not going to be productive in your workplace so I think it's really important that everyone acknowledges that and if you know it's it's uh, unfortunate like you know my, my son just started some in-person schooling again and I was so excited about it and you uh, I went to the environment, it was pretty depressing. Everyone's dressed like they're in an ER, they have to sign up to use the bathroom. And I was so, I, I thought it was so important that they have to attend school, but seeing the environment they're in, it was a depressing environment. So as far as workplace health and wellness, uh, I think there's a lot of elements to it. You want people to feel good about where they're, they're at. So part of that is them feeling safe. And then when they're comfortable, because if you're dressed like you're in an ER, that's not going to probably be the most comfortable uh, place to be. And then also being able to move around freely, um, having exercise, and also if they need a minute for their emotional health and wellness, I think that's important as well. So there's a lot of elements that go into it. And if you're talking about physical safety, that's a that's a, a probably a more straightforward answer.
3: Yeah, I love that because people always need to remember that wellness is not just physical, but also mental and, of course, uh like medical, you need to have the whole package in order to be completely well. Our next question is by Sasha Hansen. And she asks, is there a field of design that you've never identified as your favorite to work in? Uh,
1: well, that, that, is, that is, isn't my favorite or is my favorite?
3: That uh, isn't your favorite. It's <laughs> not.
1: Favorite.
3: Is there a field of design that you have ever identified as your favorite? Favorite. Oh, as my favorite. As your favorite, yes.
1: Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think, I think, I think the way I would answer that is, um, is usually, I guess, the designer dreamer answer, which is that my favorite is the one I haven't worked on and I always wanted to. So there's so many. Uh, projects that you know I'd love I'd love to work on an airplane I'd love to work on I've done a ton of indoor fitness equipment I'm a huge skier I'd love to work on outdoor fitness equipment and skis so you know I think I think it's that curious mind and the idea of of wanting to work on things you never did and being exposed to it is probably what my my favorite would be
3: spoken like a true designer
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just looking for my shot (laughs)
3: <laughs> ways to change the world i resonate i feel that <laughs> next question is by Marcela Vallejo, and the question is what are some common mistakes that you see from interior designers that just graduated and enter into the work field and what is some advice on how they can adapt faster and better in the work environment
1: that's a great question and i think one of the uh and it's not just unique to interior designers. I think one of the hardest parts about being a young designer is going from a uh, an environment like a school into the workplace and dealing with criticism and dealing with challenges in the workplace. Because you know, ultimately, we're, we're if you're doing this professionally, we're not artists, right? It's a business, and it can be really hard because. You can work on something, and a client can love everything about it, and you think that the rug should be, uh, it should be green, and the, and the client wants it to be pink. Well, it's got to be pink, and I, I sometimes, you know, see, and, and it's, it, we, you should care about your work, and you need to care about your work, but the reality is we're working in, um, it's a commercial business environment, and the clients aren't always right, but they're always the clients. Exactly. So uh, just dealing with, I, I, that's one part of it. And the other part is, there's going to be an emotional part because we do care about our work, is dealing with that redirection. And, like, and, and by the way, sometimes the nose are flat out harsh and sometimes it's tweak it. And that tweak, you can think ruin the design, but you can't let other people see that. And you have to, have to make the client believe that you're really there to realize their project so I think that's, that's a common I would say across any designer in any situation is do your best. Don't take it too personally if someone gives you constructive criticism or rejects your work. I always think that you know, if I do work on something and it didn't work, that America wasn't ready. But I'll always <laughs> take the direction from the client. So that would be my, my advice.
3: That's, that's really nice because a lot of people, because you know, as designers, you put your heart and your soul into something. So when someone tells you to change it, or even a slight bit of critique, it, it tends to make you feel like it's kind of like sharing music with someone, and they say no, don't like that.
1: Hundred percent. And by the way, like there's sometimes you 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 will ultimately be proven correct.
3: They should yeah. have done it
1: this way, but you point it out. You point out why you think so, but ultimately the client's always right.
3: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that. Our next question is by Enovong Asanga, and she said, most engineers are taught to focus on functionality before visual appeal. What tips and advice would you give engineers to assist the designers in their designs? Very nice question.
1: I think it's a great question. I think that, that the, the idea of being one dimensional in any discipline is, that time has passed. I think you need to be aware and fluent in the vocabulary and the language and the disciplines of the people you're gonna be working with. And I think that engineers have a have a have a critical role. Still, things fall apart, they break if without that functionality um, and, and what they bring to a project, um, they basically the stuff that industrial designers and designers make, they make sure that it you know doesn't fall apart. So it's critical. But I think that a, a way to always think approach a project that I, I like is whatever your discipline you're working on is is just do a mood board and a case study of projects in that sort of genre and see what resonates. You know, it might be a Dyson vacuum or it might be, you know, uh, it might be a sports car and just look at designs that were really successful, not just from a commercial standpoint, but from a design standpoint. And then think about how it works together because if it doesn't flow properly and it doesn't look pro- look right and it doesn't function right, that's not a good design.
3: And that's something I really love that uh, Scott pushes to especially the industrial design we don't only work on how the design looks but on how it functions and also the marketability so when we do go into the industry we have these terms and the knowledge when we're producing the products to you know engage with all the people around us you know like you said it's not about just being one-dimensional now you need to be able to know how your work interferes with every other part of the business absolutely so next question during a lot of projects, designers and artists sometimes run into a wall where they get stuck. How do you break that, and how do you get a new perspective on what you're working on?
1: That's a great question, and uh, I think it's 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 an age old problem. I think one of the things that's always helped me is is that I am such a generalist, and sometimes you can be very in a very narrow perspective of I can't find any creativity in this specific project I'm working on, but the world's a big place and I love to repurpose things or see ideas. It could be color. It could be a music video. See something that inspires you. You know, sometimes when it all comes together, you know, like I'm always constantly amazed by, you know, if I'll see a music video or something, there's so much going on there. There's the cinematography, there's the music, there's the wardrobe, Um, and just when it works it may have nothing to do with your project but it's getting you out of that zone so I always look at try to change up my worldview get a broader perspective um, think about other how other designers approach problems and that usually will break the law jam
3: yeah I love that you said that because many times I've been working on a project and totally unrelated I'm in a bus or I'm in a car or even just getting water from a fountain I'm like wow, that, you know, the way that works is really cool. I can incorporate that into this. And it's just just like that without even thinking you have like a new drive and passion to continue work, working on. Oh, this is a nice question. What role has remote technology played in your business? Have you found any silver lin- linings on going virtual and what tools have been the most beneficial for you?
1: That's a great question. I mean, it's, you basically can't operate right now without being remote and virtual. Uh, especially in New York City. Um, so it's, um, we've been, you know, our business has been postured to be remote for a while because we have designers and production all over the world globally. So um, we've noticed over the last year that a lot of people were coming to meetings in the office less because they said, "Ah, oh, let's just hop on, you know, a, uh, either it was a Google Hangout or a Zoom or whatever it was. So. It seemed, the direction seemed to be going that way. Um, is there a silver lining? I think the silver lining is that people do feel comfortable that they can work in different places. I think overall, though, that there is, that human connection is critical. And I think it's important for people to, to interact on a personal level. So it's great that we have these tools and being, being you know, proficient in being able to use Zoom and, and other remote tech, uh, technologies is important and there's so much we can do design with what you know doing animations or vr that you can put our clients or other designers where you need to be but um i think getting out in the world and interacting is very important too
3: yeah so um a side note on that question do you think um the virtual workspace is going to go away anytime soon or do you think it's going to remain as a part of the work culture
1: oh well, i don't think it's going anywhere i think it's going to it's now it's it's part of work for probably going forward as far as I can see. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's the same thing. If you think of it, like we were talking about fitness before, you know, I don't think it's either at home fitness or going to a gym or going outside. They're all part of of the experience. And the same thing with how we work. This is just another tool and it's part of it. And I don't think it's healthy to be too reliant on any one of them. So I think that it's just part of the new of, of how people will work. And hopefully it's an additive tool and not something which uh, dominates.
2: Are there some uh, jobs or functions um, that you insist that your team actually is in person?
1: Well, yeah, there are times where you really, especially if you're evaluating a prototype or um, if you're talking about interiors, you know, what is, what's the hand feel of the rug? What does that upholstery feel like? That's such an important part. If we're talking, and if we're talking about experiential design, um, scenting is such an important thing. Well, what does that smell to, to smell like? So I think that uh, there's certain things you can't do virtually. And I think that those tactile and senses are gonna be such an important part of design coming out of this because we've been in this, this isolating environment. I think people are gonna be starved for that sensory stimulation and it's gonna be really important.
3: Thank you, that was, that was a really nice answer. Now, our last question for the day, it's a really good one, I love this, from Brian Lassack, and it is, as we observe the severity of climate change increasing rapidly, many climate experts believe that most sustainable, like the most sustainable avenue for consumers is to take and consume sustainably, and of course to consume less. But as a multidisciplinary designer, multidisciplinary designer, my bad, what are your thoughts on this and how does it affect your creative process?
1: Well, I think it, I think it's, it ties into what we were talking about before, which is that all these, these elements of design have to be considered, right? So I think sustainability is extremely important. Um, it's something which you know, everyone wants clean air, and clean water, and uh, who wouldn't want you know, a cleaner environment? Um, And responsible design is is something I've worked in for a really long time. And if you think about upholstery of petroleum-based foams, it's the worst thing anyone could have ever decided to make a cushion out of because it's flammable. It was cheap at the time they they developed it, but latex foam is naturally fire-retardant, but it was a cost issue. And the whole infrastructure around the petroleum industry made these things really inexpensive and Now we're seeing the consequences to something which was inexpensive and solution oriented with plastics and things like that. So I think it's a really important question is, you know, maybe you save a little money near term on some of these products, but the cost long term to not just the environment and society, they're huge, they're cataclysmic. So it's something that does need to be considered. It's really important. I think going back to dealing with frustration is we always try to present a sustainable solution to our clients. And a lot of times people make budget decisions where it's just cheaper for them to go a different direction because that's the way the supply chain goes. But I think the sensibilities are changing where people are demanding. They want environmental compliance, social compliance is really important. All those things. They want to make sure that the people who are making products are paying, being paid a fair wage. So, All these things need to be considered, and um, I think it's the future.
3: I like that. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you for participating today.
2: Yeah, thank you, Eric. Thank you, Ani. Eric, you have so many admirers at SCAN. We can't wait to catch up with you again. Great job, Ani.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. All
3: right. Have a great day.
1: Take care, everyone.
0: I hope you enjoyed hearing from Eric Valenci. As 2020 wanes into memory, take some time to appreciate all that you've overcome this year. There have certainly been trials and adversities, but you've persevered, thanks to collaboration and, most assuredly, creativity. To all of our listeners, thank you for spending time with us this year. It's a pleasure sharing this show with every single one of you. And from the entire SCADCAST team to all the medical field, first responders, and other emergency workers, to the grocery store clerks, teachers, mail carriers, sanitation workers, and everyone who kept the world turning for all of us, thank you and cheers to a 2021 defined by coming together, lending a friendly ear, and rediscovering all that we love with renewed eyes. Thank you for tuning in to SCADcast and On Creativity, executive produced by SCAD president and founder Paula Wallace, with original music by SCAD alumnus George Lovett. On behalf of the entire SCAD community, Happy New Year, and we'll see you next time.